today titled Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're joining me today as we're going to be in the Word of God. And I would like for us to launch out today from Psalm 46. And we're going to look today at verse 10 about what it means to get still and quiet before the Lord. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word, we ask that your Word literally come alive to us, that we can take it and use it just like we could use a screwdriver or our other tool or implement uh, to build, construct, or work something into the format that it needs to be. So, Father, we thank you that we're going to take your word right now, let it be alive and living to us, and we'll apply it to our lives today in Jesus' name, and we agree and say amen. Now, Psalm 46, verse 10, the Bible says, Be still. And know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. You know, when you get still in the Lord, get very quiet and calm and peaceful, it's amazing how God begins to dissolve all fears, and he begins to uh, bring you into a place of peace where there is such calmness that you know what is true, and also, you're able to discern many times what is also, how can we say, a lot of hype. You know, uh, in the church, there are so many things that are covered uh, uh, through good teaching, through good uh, television programs, whether it's on satellite or cable or, you know, the various Christian networks and so forth. But sometimes you can hear certain messages and you think, wow. Lord, is, is America going to be judged or destroyed? And, you know, some preachers are saying that America will be uh, 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 under a nuclear attack and this, that, and the other. I've heard all kinds of uh, sermons and prophecies about California falling off into the ocean, uh, Florida falling off into the ocean. And uh, at least from what I've heard, we're pretty safe in North Carolina. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, you know, younger Christians in the Lord, they can hear these types of messages and it can really trouble their spirit. But you know what? Regardless of where you're at in your walk with God, when you get very quiet and still, as it says here, be still and know that I am God, God will bring such comfort into your heart. And God will also show you that a lot of the things that are said, although they might be said uh, with uh, good intent, they might have been said uh, with many hours of preparation going into the message, uh, the Lord can show you, hey, that's just a bunch of baloney, and you don't need to be concerned about it. Because sometimes uh, it seems like books and products and DVDs sell better the more spectacular the message is. And so if there's a message of something cataclysmic or something like uh, of a pop, uh, apocalyptic type nature, which means the unfolding of the end-time events through uh, great and... Uh, cosmic shaking type uh, uh, episodes. Well, whenever people talk about that, boy, it could be, uh, it could be a really hot selling product. But many times, uh, the way people present things, uh, they've got it wrong. Uh, they don't know they've got it wrong, but they've got it wrong. The timing's wrong. The interpretation of it's wrong, but yet they put it out there, and it can really be unsettling to uh, uh, Christians who are not deeply rooted in the things of God. And I'm not just talking about being rooted in the Word of God. We need that. But you need to be rooted in the Lord himself in the sense that the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Word, really is your teacher and uh, really does help you uh, unravel uh, perhaps even different uh, doctrinal viewpoints that uh, the leading experts might have and things like that. Well, you can, you can get still 
and you'll know that he's God, and, and the Lord will begin to just bring his stillness, his peace into your heart in such a way that it is, uh, it's priceless. And really, this is one of the greatest attributes of God is to know him as Jehovah Shalom. And I, I think we've all heard the compound name of God, Jehovah Shalom, mentioned, which means the Lord God who is our peace. Perhaps we've heard it so much that we lose the meaning of that, but one of the greatest attributes as a Christian is really to be able to walk in the peace of God, and you're free from anxiety, you're free from worry and care, uh, and you are, you, are, you are in a place where you are blanketed and shrouded in peace, and that's supposed to be normal, but my friends, I want to talk about some of the inhibitors that tried to keep us out of this place of being still and quiet. Be still and know that I am God. The word still in the Hebrew, you're going to like this. It literally means to sink down into. All right, I want you to think today about your favorite chair. Maybe you have one of those classic lazy board recliners. Maybe you have a very comfortable couch. Wherever uh, is your sitting place, perhaps where you watch television from, perhaps where you even uh, have your quiet time at, uh, it's somewhere that's very quiet. And so what you do is you sink down into that place and you get settled in that place. That's literally what the Hebrew means when it says, be still. You sink down into this place of great quietness, and uh, I would also call it a place of tranquility. Now, the quiet place, the still place, be still and know that I am God. How do you know when you have arrived at this place? I want to answer that question for you because I think for some, not, not all. I know there are those that are listening to me. You know about this place. But there are others that uh, they really haven't found this street address. Uh, it's almost like if it were given as a street address, you wouldn't be able to pull it up on GPS and get to it. It can be a pretty tricky place to come into. But you know that you have arrived at Psalm 4610 when you have come into a place in your devotional time, listen to me, of no distractions. That's why it's hard to find on an address. It's hard to just pull up to it because you'll have things that will try to block you from ever getting to the address of Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. And this knowing God is also God revealing himself to you and removing anything that would try to rob and steal your peace and dissolving it and taking any type of pressure off of you so that you can uh, just sit and relax in this tranquil place. Look, you might not be able to get to a spa. You might not be able to get your nails done or your hair done or this or that or the other, but there are things in the spirit that go beyond what any pedicure or manicure or masseuse could ever do. I'm talking about getting over into the glory, finding the address of Psalm 4610, and knowing God in a very, very personal way. Be still. Sink down into your favorite chair and know that he is God. Now, three things will compete against you to keep you from getting quiet and coming into this place of stillness. They are, A, the world, B, your flesh, and C, the devil. And it sometimes that all three of them at the same time can try to uh, tag team and jump on you all three at the same time, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Praise God.
But nevertheless, you can still come into this place of stillness. And I want to talk about going there right now. We're ready to go black and blue today. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a moment. Take your Bibles. Let's move to the right to the New Covenant now. As we are going to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Hallelujah. Aren't you happy in your spirit today? Isn't the Lord good? We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start in verse 24. This is a scripture I'm familiar with. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? In the original Olympics, which were, uh, uh, you know, they sprung out of uh, Greece, Athens, Greece, the first Olympics took place uh, a couple thousand years ago. But you have to understand that back then they didn't have gold, silver, bronze. All they had was one prize that went to the winner. That would be the olive wreath. That's certainly something that you can't keep on your shelf for a long time. I mean, maybe you can sit it up there for a few months, but an olive wreath, this, this is plant material. It's not like a gold medal. Uh, yeah, but, but the whole thing is it, with this stuff, it's, it's still all temporal. It's all passing. Do you not know that those who run in the race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it? And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled in all things. If you really want to win the gold medal uh, in any Olympic sporting event, you're not going to be able to do this just on natural gifting or what we would call raw talent. Everybody in the final is loaded with raw talent and natural gifting, but you're going to have to take that and also exercise and train and really push yourself, and uh, that also uh, will cover the area of not just your physical workout, but also uh, your diet, what you're eating. You can't just eat anything you want. Everything has to be structured. Every calorie has to be accounted for, and that's really the price that you have to pay if you want to stand uh, on the victor's stand. Now, it says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. They did all that effort back then to get an olive wreath. Now, I know there's more involved today. There's perhaps a gold medal that has real gold in it. Perhaps there's a lot more gold uh, also waiting after the race is over in the uh, financial gain of endorsements through shoe contracts that could run into the millions of dollars or commercials or being branded perhaps by a certain uh, company, a food company or a, a merchandising company. And now just your name is worth more uh, than what you ever accomplished through running fast times. So the bottom line, though, is still in these type of categories, it's still all on a temporal, short-term, uh, lifelong basis. And we want to have more of an eternal perspective and run for something that's a lot more enduring. So now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So imperishable or eternal is something that's uh, kind of hard for us humans to wrap our minds around the fact that we are going to live for all eternity with the Lord in heaven. But my friends, that is our inheritance, and we need to keep our minds on that as we're passing through this life and enjoying this life, but at the under, understanding the overall perspective that we are destined for eternal living. Verse 26, therefore, I run thus. In other words, this is how Paul does it in light of the overall perspective. He says, therefore, and, and whenever you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is that therefore? 
Well, therefore, is often used as a summary, uh, pulling together what has been previously said, wrapping it up, and presenting it in a condensed form so that we can catch the the theme of what is being referred to. Therefore, I run thus, or this is how I do it, Paul says, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air. So he's really alluding to a lot of the Olympic events, whether it's running, whether it's boxing, and they had these various events back then. They also had the boxing. But, you know, he's not just running aimlessly. You know, well, we'll just do the best we can. No, he's running to win. And if it's coming to boxing, and so this really probably tells us that Paul perhaps even attended one of the Olympic events and watched uh, and uh, picked up things that he is now using as allegorical examples for us as believers. Now, as we're seeing, he's moving over to boxing. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. So there's really no shadow boxing going on. If he's going to do this, he's training with a purpose. Verse 27, he begins to unlock it more fully for us. But I discipline my body. Now, what I'm about to teach you today, and I've mentioned this before, but I want to cover this in a way that you don't uh, take this in the wrong meaning. Uh, Paul is talking in allegorical forms. If you try to take this and make it literal and you beat your body, you're going against the will of God. Uh, there are certain scriptures where the Lord Jesus was teaching in the Gospels, and he is using in Greek what is called hyperbole. And if you don't understand that, you can go out and do crazy things, like Jesus said, you know, you know, cut off your hand, uh, gouge out your eye, and stuff like that. Well, you have to understand in Greek, that's known as a hyperbole. And if you try to do that literally, you're going to be maimed, and you're going to, you're going to end up uh, cutting all kinds of stuff off. But that's not what he's literally trying to get you to do. And it's the same thing here with what Paul is doing. This is a this is a allegorical expression that has a word picture that he's painting for you, and that is what we need to respond to. But I discipline my body. Now, the word discipline in the Greek is an allegorical expression that means to hit as hard as you can beneath the eye over and over until you turn it black and blue. Oh, good, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do that today. Now, now I don't want to see you next time uh, looking like a raccoon, okay, with your eyes all swollen up and you're, you've literally turned them black and blue. The, you, you see, some people, they've taken this out of context and literally they, they've gone out and they've done this. And that's not what Paul was talking about. You, you've had some that, that have read these type of verses and they love the Lord so much they literally go out and do this. They, they become ascetics. They beat themselves. They whip themselves. And they don't understand the meaning of what Paul is trying to convey here. This is why you, you look into the lives of some of the great Catholic saints. And you find out that many of them whipped themselves, beat themselves. A lot of them were, uh, wore uh, what was called the iron girdle. Not just the men. A lot of the ladies did, too. They're trying to lock their bodies down and make sure that nothing uh, takes place that's not uh, perpetually holy and pure. And uh, even when you put all that stuff on you and you beat yourself, even, even still, now you still have thoughts to deal with. And so that's why you can visit the, the little uh, cells, the little rooms where many of these great men and women of God lived. And you can literally see still today the blood splattered on the wall from where they used to whip and beat themselves there in their little cell. Now, 
if you look at Catholic saints who went through that, I would call it a phase, many of them eventually caught on and realized, hey, we're not supposed to beat the daylights out of ourselves. We're supposed to keep the body under. And they realized as they matured in the Lord that this is not about punishing yourself or becoming an ascetic. And let me say something also. I think the church has become afraid of things like this. And so what we've done is we've escaped the bad extreme of literally beating ourselves with whips and uh, uh, poking ourselves with pins and starving ourselves until our teeth literally fall out and things like that. And so we have avoided that extreme. But I think what has happened a lot, though, in our modern culture is we've come over to the other side. We've swung a pendulum all the way to the other extreme. And now there is no discipline of the body at all. There's no striking of the body. You're not going to find any black and blue. You're not going to find anything, actually. It's what instead of uh, a life of prayer, a life where there's fasting incorporated into our walk with God, there's just a whole lot of playing. There's a whole lot of feasting. And uh, we, ha we have gone completely the opposite direction. And with critical and self-judging type attitudes, we look and we say, can you, we, we say things like this, can you believe those people were actually stupid enough to beat themselves and whip themselves while we come over here and just continue to pamper the flesh, uh, continue to engage the flesh in all types of things uh, that would just make it uh, uh, not really want to pray, not lean in, got, not get close to God. Because you have to understand, your, fre your, your flesh your flesh doesn't ever want to pray. Your spirit does. Remember, Jesus said your spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh is never going to say, okay, let's go pray for an hour. It's never going to do that. So we need to find the happy medium. What is the happy medium? Well, it's it's always going to be in the Word of God. And I think if we follow this, we're going to be just fine. See, he said, but I discipline my body. I discipline my body. In the Greek, that is a uh, metaphor that means to strike over and over beneath the eye. It's a boxing expression, and it means to beat it until it's black and blue. What's Paul saying? That we're supposed to go out and just beat our bodies until they're black and blue? Are we supposed to go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy one of those rubber mallets and just hit ourselves and just, you know, just beat ourselves perpetually until we're just, you know, like nothing left but a piece of uh mush no that's not what he's talking about but he is saying this you need to deal with your flesh you need to deal with it and 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 if your flesh is leading you around uh and your spirit cannot serve god the way that you want to out of your spirit you you know your your spirit is wanting to serve god but your your flesh doesn't want to pray it doesn't want to read the bible well you're gonna have to do something about that and uh, we're not going to go out and buy any whips or chains i better not see any of you with raccoon eyes where you've literally punched yourself to your black and blue in the face. But at the same time, we need to move in the spirit and go after the things of God. And if your body tries to say, I don't want to do that, then you need to show your body who's boss. And you, uh, you need to be in control. When Paul said, I discipline, who is I? That is his spirit. His spirit is saying, I'm disciplining my body, uh, and I'm not going to let it boss me around. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. All right. Now, the word subjection could also be translated a slave, but this, again, is a metaphorical picture, an allegorical example that he wants you and I to see of what is supposed to be done with the body. Now, I bring the body into subjection. The, this, this in the Greek means uh, the imagery 
of a vanquished foe on the battlefield who is lost to you. You are the winning army. They are the losing army. You have vanquished them. Therefore, they do not tell you what to do. You have now conquered them, and you tell them what to do, and you lead them around, and they don't have any say in what you do. If you want to go pray for an hour, they say, oh, that's fine. Uh, we'll just come right along because you're in control. If, if, if you want to sit down and read your Bible for 30 minutes and go into that still and quiet place, they, your, your body comes right along and, and says, okay, you're in charge. That's what we're going to do. Woo, hallelujah. Does your body submit to you like that? Well, see, the Apostle Paul said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. He brings it into a place where it's vanquished and conquered. And look, now look at this. If the Apostle Paul had to do this, don't think that you and I are so holy that we can escape verse 27 from the Bible. Well, Pastor Stephen, I haven't sinned since 1952, and I don't ever plan on it. Now hold on just a minute. If we ever find anybody like that, we found another Jesus, okay? But we, we know there's nobody else besides Jesus who was sinless. And, and if the Apostle Paul had to keep his flesh under and discipline his body. And this was the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that was caught up into the third heaven and had supernatural experiences and operating signs and wonders. If Paul had to uh, follow this apostolic process, my friends, this is the biblical path that you and I walk on to for victory. Perhaps we should call it the black and blue path. No, don't start punching yourself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but still, at the same time, you need to realize if your flesh is, is, is bugging you, then you need to deal with that. You, you, you need to get it under control, and you need, you need to practice spiritual disciplines uh, that will bring it into a place of submission where it's vanquished. Hallelujah. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, of course, the disqualified doesn't mean that you're lost and, and you go to hell. That's not what is being referred to here. But Paul is saying, you know, look, I could, I could do all this ministry. I could win people to the Lord. I could cast out demons. I could raise the dead. I could do all of this stuff, and yet still, uh, I cannot rest on past laurels. Every day that I wake up, I have to live for the Lord. You know what? You just can't say because you've been walking with the Lord for 20 or 30 years that it's a cakewalk and you're just now going to skate in the heaven. I do, there's a, I do believe there's a place where you, you gain stability. I do believe that we don't have to be fearful about falling away or anything like that. I believe the Lord is well able to keep us. But look, you're still in a flesh body. Until you leave this planet, you will have the world, the flesh, and the devil that will try to keep you out of that still, quiet place. And the world and the devil, the way oftentimes they try to work against you is through your flesh. Because it is through your flesh or through your body that you contact this world through your five physical senses. And this world is a place that according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is, the, is God over this world. It, that's might sound unusual for some of you that are still learning these types of things, but he's the little G-O-D uh, over this world. And so if he's the God over this world and you contact your flesh, uh, it's through your flesh that you contact this world, that's going to be one of the main uh, portals that he tries to like tempt you through, which is why 
you discipline your body. You strike it under the eye until it's black and blue. Remember, it's allegorical. Please do not go out and do this physically to yourself. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Vanquish and conquer uh, physical appetites and the desires of it that are not pleasing to the Lord. Then he says, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, there's been some really good ministers that had very power. I'm talking world-shaking ministries. And then, for whatever reason, they got into the latter years of their life, which for all purposes were the golden years of their life, the time where they could reflect and thank God for the decades of service and the countless lives touched around the world. Yet in their golden years, some of them, um, how can we say, they dropped the ball and they, they had a fumble, and then they find themselves in a place of great humiliation, uh, embarrassment, because something happened. Why? Because they skipped verse 27. You always need to stay with the apostolic uh, method of living. And if you do that, you'll be okay. Praise God. T uh, tomorrow, 10 years from now, you'll be okay. But if you get away from this, then there is the uh, part B of verse 27 that could be a potential. Now, that's not going to happen because we're going to work the first part of this verse, but we need to see what he says. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection or keep it as a vanquished foe, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. The word disqualified in the Greek here is referring to impure metal. And I, I think this is fascinating because, uh, you know, certain metals, like a gold ring, gold is very soft material, so you have to add certain alloys to the gold so that you make it stronger, or else you could bend your ring, or uh, or your if it's a gold necklace, if it's pure gold, it'll just break very, very easily. So you have to have, to have some alloys in there. But see, if alloys are added to a pure metal, and those alloys are impure, then what can happen is that instead of perhaps making something stronger, it can actually make it weaker. Um, my father was a professional metallurgist uh, most of his career, and he worked uh, with the Army. Uh, there was a very uh, specialized team of him and others uh, that were world-class metallurgists. And whenever anything on a helicopter or a jet, uh, something went wrong, uh, maybe with a uh, – I remember decades back when you had uh, Jimmy Carter uh, sent in the helicopters – uh, to try to rescue the hot, the American hostages, and uh, some of the helicopters crashed, and uh, and it didn't work out. It was a national uh, disaster, so to speak. Anyhow, those helicopters were shipped back to where my father and his team worked, and their assignment, one of their assignments of many, was to examine what happened to the metals in those particular helicopters that caused uh, things to happen that should not have happened. For instance, one of the helicopters had a broken blade. Well, why did the uh, blade break? What was in the composite? What was in the metal that caused a break? Well, many times, if you trace it back, you'll find out there's a bad metal or the metals that were formed in those components were formed impurely. So the metals were impure. Therefore, under pressure and under stress, they cracked and they did something that they were not supposed to do. So when it says here, uh, Paul says, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That word disqualified, he's saying, lest I should become an impure metal or a worthless metal that can no longer be used in the service of God. It doesn't mean that you're lost and you go to hell or something something like that, but it just means that you, you are a, you're, you can't be used because you are 
bad metal. You are an impure alloy, and because of that, you can't, you can't be plugged into the machine or the system or, or, or the tool that God is wanting to work through. So, my friends, if you want to be not just uh, in the game, but on the front lines, then you're going to have to deal with these types of things that will keep you out of the place of stillness. Let's go back and look at that one more time. This, again, is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. The world, the flesh, and the devil will try to keep you from finding this address of Psalm 46.10, which is a place of stillness. Now, how do you know when you've come into that, this place of stillness where you can know not just God, but all types of things about him, and he's revealing all types of wonderful things to you? You'll know it when you can sit down. Remember, it means to, that word still means to sit down or to sit down into. When you can sit down into your chair, open your Bible with a cup of coffee and have absolutely no distractions from the world, the devil, or your flesh. Woo! Hallelujah. That, that's what this is talking about. And my friends, you, I'm telling you, that is a place where you can hear from God. And the enemy doesn't want you to get into that place. How do you get into it? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 27, tells you how to get into it. And so I want you to be in the spirit, black and blue. You know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. This is a person who is in the word consistently. This is a person who is in prayer consistently. You don't have big spiritual timeouts where you just vanish off the playing field for like three months, and then you come back, but now you come back, and now you come back lesser and weaker uh, than what you used to. Uh, you're, you're, not, you're not the same caliber of uh, player. No, you need to stay in this. You need to stay on the battlefield and always have your sword sharp. Hallelujah. And you need to be in the Word literally every day. You need to be in prayer every day. Hallelujah. Now, there will be some days you'll pray more than others, but you need to be in prayer every day. You need to never lose the ability to get into the spiritual GPS mode and find this address. Be still and know that I am God. I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm not talking about intellectually knowing. I'm talking about, no, 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 no. I know. I know God, and I know that's of God, and I know that's not. I, do, I know that message is from God. And I know that message, that minister meant well. He loves the Lord with all of his heart, but he doesn't see that he's off in that area. And so I'm going to eat the hay, spit out the sticks. I still love him, but I know that that message is not correct. Hallelujah. Oh, my, I'm telling you what, God will bring all kinds of uh, uh, inundations uh, flooding inwardly into you of peace. You'll be inundated, that's what I'm trying to say, with the peace of God. Anything that would try to upset your peace, I'm saying anything, anything that would try to upset your peace, God will take it off of you in this place right here. Be still and know that I am God. When you sit down and lean into that place, the next thing that you're going to know is that God will be exalted among the nations, or uh, in the Hebrew it's really saying that God will be exalted among the Gentiles, which is the nations of the world. I will be exalted in the earth. You'll see that God is a great big God, and the devil is a little bitty devil. Hallelujah. Everything gets um, 
uh, restructured and, re- and, and properly seen from God's perspective. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You must find this place. Now remember, in the, uh, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about laboring to enter into that rest, that rest that is in Jesus, R-E-S-T. But it sounds, it sounds contradictory. You're laboring, you're working to get into a place of rest. You, you are, you are uh, hitting yourself black and blue in the spirit in order to get into a place where you could be still. Yes, you must, you must find this place of deep rest in the Lord, and you can find it through prayer. And you cannot get this stillness, this address pinpointed and locate it, usually in five minutes. Sometimes it'll take you a while before that flesh gets real quiet and doesn't bug you anymore. Prayer just pummels the flesh with black and blue. I mean, just knock it out. And that's what you want to do. You want to knock out that stuff. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe there's more that I can say, but I think the gist of it has been conveyed this morning. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that they find their spiritual boxing gloves and that they put them on and go into prayer and just pray until all fleshly passions, all distractions, all silliness, all foolish thinking is evaporated and they are left, just them and you sitting down together. Now, Father, we thank you that in this place the voice of the enemy is silenced. We thank you that in this place, Father God, the cares of the world are dismissed and they're void. So, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you that we will be still and that we will know that you are God. May this be a living word for every person watching. Let us find this place of stillness, hallelujah, in you. Now, we thank you, Father God, that we pray and lean into you with all of our hearts we thank you for making this known to us. I thank, I thank you, Father, that anything that would trouble your people today, that would try to cause them anxiety or, or pressure, I break it in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your peace right now. And they're, they're going to be led into this place. God's leading you into this place through angelic help. Now, Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Go meet the Lord in prayer. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for watching. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.